0: My mother, the person and the patient, is an original podcast written and hosted by me, for Kuso. This podcast is about my mother, Timira Abdus Samad Mohamed, Ayaya we call her. And that's the Somali word for grandmother. And her great-grandchildren call her Ayaya too. And that is their way of saying great-grandmother. As a caregiver to a loved one living with Alzheimer's, it's so easy to focus on things that are not working, to focus on the challenges I face every day in being a caregiver to my mother for the last 11 years and forget what can be done. To enjoy the moment, not the hour, not the day, not the week, not the month, not the year, but what can I do to enjoy single moment and let in joy in our life. And in order to do that for myself and for my mother, I had to shift the focus of where my perspective was. What was I looking at? That's what I had to do. And in order to do that, I had to explore the simple pleasures, that simple activities that my mother and I could do for one minute, two minutes, three minutes. What joy can that bring? And finding a creative way to engage with my mother, even with her limited verbal language. How could I engage her? And how could I, in that engagement, find beauty in every moment and gift of connection? It took me a long time, and I'm certain it will take you a long time, because Alzheimer's does that to both the care receiver, the person living with Alzheimer's, and the caregiver, it shifts the foundation beneath your feet, shakes your wall to something totally different. And you have the same person, a father, a mother, a spouse, a child, a siblings, a friend, whoever it is that you are a caregiver to, their changes, the change that takes place within them, takes place within you too. And it's hard to adjust to that. So in order for me to shift my perspective, I decided I would take days or hours or part of a day to do activity with my mother that she can do and both of us can look at the activity without looking at each other. I'm not looking to her as the care receiver and she's not looking to me As the caregiver. So we have blocks, wood blocks, that are just your basic wood blocks, nothing fancy. And then we just build. And there are no rules, no structures, no limitations. I don't expect her to stack them the right way. So we just stack and I put two, if she decides to follow my lead and put two on top of me, that's fine. If she doesn't, and she only does one, I might decide to do one to match what she did, or just continue to do my two. So, except by having activities with my mother without expecting her to follow certain kind of rules. If we're building a puzzle and she is not building the right way and the right pieces are not matching, I used to worry about that. I used to correct her. I used to tell her, okay, mom, put it here, put it there. But now I reached at a point. I do not worry about that. I just give her pieces. We have 24 piece puzzle. I take 12, I give her 12, or I put all 24 on the table and we just make pieces and we put it together. If when we are done, it's not the way it should be, I have to accept, I have to live with that because that is the only way I found That my mother and I could enjoy the activity. Because if I impose rules around what we're doing, how we build the puzzles or how we stack these wooden blocks, then we're not going to have fun. Because my mother cannot follow those rules and those are not her rules anymore. Those rules do not apply to her. So I have to accept that. I have to cater to her needs, to her experiences, and that is so much fun. We're both laughing. It's the only times that I could see my mother smile or laugh or correct me and tell me what to do and how to do it. That is the time where she becomes the mother and I become the child. And she'll tell me, no, 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 you did this. You didn't do it that way. And there is beauty in that. And sometimes when we build those blocks, we come up with totally different structure than was on the cover of the box where the blocks came in. And that is the beauty of engaging her in a creative activity. Some days I take coloring book and then she's coloring one beige. I am coloring one beige. And if she's doing blue in the hair, I don't correct her. I don't tell her that person's hair should be black or the face cannot be pink. There is nobody with pink skin. I don't tell her that because that's not what, is important. What is important at that moment is for my mother and I to share this experience, to find the joy in the moment, to forget Alzheimer's, the memory loss, all the emotional ravages this disease had caused both my mother and I and the rest of my family. We can forget that for a minute or two and find beauty in those moments. Like I said, I create a way to engage with my mother, which is introducing these activities without the rules. Without the rule that says puzzles have to go like this to make the picture off a bus. I get rid of those rules. The block should be by twos, by threes, by fours. Otherwise, the building collapses before you get to the top. I get rid of those all together. So I have that and we're building it together and it breaks and falls apart after 10 or 15 or, or 17 pieces put together instead of the 30 or the 40 we could have put together and we laugh so loud. That's the only time I have seen my mother smile for the last four or five years. So, like I said at the beginning, I changed my perspective of what was important in order for me to have some kind of connection with my mother. And in that case, I had to shift my perspective. How did I do that? I decided that I am going to take simple pleasures in doing activities with my mother. And those activities would come without the rules I was imposing Upon them that allowed me to engage with my mother in a creative way that's totally different. A nine out of ten of those times, I get something much better than I had expected because I decided to find the beauty in the moments. I decided to find the joy in those moments. I decided to exist in those moments with my mother without imposing on the rules that I have or the society has or the box where those games came from have and have fun, a joyous moment with my mother by engaging her in a creative way and taking pleasure in the simple activities just because I decided to shift my perspective and that has made all the difference. When you listen to how we arrived at my mother's diagnosis and what followed, it's so easy to see her just as the patient, to see her as nothing more than the disease that reduced her to shell of her old self. But I want also to tell you about my mother, the person, the fierce woman that told her stories unapologetically, celebrating the beautiful parts and harsh realities equally. I want to share with you the stories she told us about her life as a girl growing up in a small village, the tales that marked her adulthood. I want to share with you all her losses and the ultimate winnings. (music) The following chapter is one of those stories, reconstructed from my childhood memory. Did you see that? Hassan nudged Timura on the shoulder. She followed his finger through the window, outside the truck, but she only saw trees drift by faster and faster. Yes, yes. Timura gave single-word answers, even though she didn't hear most of what he'd said. A whooshing sound of loneliness filled her insides, and she saw nothing, heard nothing. She knew she should have asked him what he was pointing at, but she didn't have the energy to inquire. She smiled and turned to face the front. Timura didn't know how long Hassan was speaking to her until his ire filled, loud yell startled her to attention. Do you have hearing issues, or are you ignoring me? She didn't know what to say, because she was neither suffering from hearing loss nor intentionally ignoring him, but if she knew which of the two answers would abuse him quickly, she would have given it to him, but she didn't know. I didn't hear you, that's all. That wasn't the correct answer because Hassan's face twisted in a way Timur didn't think was possible for a face to move. His eyes squinted and almost closed. His lips trembled until he pressed them together so hard. Large beads of sweat covered the space between his nose and upper lip. His nostrils flared, grew twice the size. Kimiro squirmed in her seat, unfamiliar fear filling her fast. But Hassan glared at her for a long minute that felt like an eternity before he looked away from her. He'd said nothing to her for the rest of the trip. Even when they stopped for a meal, he didn't invite her. He left the truck with the rest of the passengers. Tamira was surprised that he just left her behind, but she was grateful for the time to be alone with her thoughts. She opened the ball with the dates and sweets her stepmother had given her and ate. Hasn't returned to the truck with the others, as if he didn't have a wife sitting there alone. <music> We're getting off here. He said and walked off. By the time she'd gathered her belongings, he was up the road, far ahead of her. Timiro had to half-walk, have half-run have after him to keep up with him. He didn't even look back to see if she was there until he opened a gate to a large house. As soon as they entered, a woman came up to them, identified herself as Hassan's mother, and took Timiro by the hand, come with me child the touch of her skin was so gentle that timur felt as if she'd made the right decision to join this family the house was divided into halves small courtyard connected the structures Hassan's mother led timur toward the small seating area in the house to the left they entered she met his parents younger sister Cousins, aunts, and uncles there. Every family member stood up and introduced themselves. Their smiles brought Timur's racing thoughts to a halt. They weren't abrupt with her like Hassan was. Even Hassan's demeanor changed for the better. And he said so many kind words about her, her family, and how the people in the village welcomed him and made him feel comfortable. This is the gift they gave me, Hassan pointed at Timur, a bright smile she hadn't seen before covering his face. Is she not beautiful? He rested his hand on Timur's knee. Timur gaped at Hassan. Was this the same man that yelled at her when he felt she'd ignored him? Did he not leave her on the truck without asking her if she was hungry or thirsty? she felt anger rise in her chest, but she pushed it back. Maybe she'd missed something important he wanted to share with her. Perhaps it was a disappointment, not anger she'd noticed in him. Was it possible he felt she didn't want to be around him because she'd ignored him? Was that his way of giving her space? what appeared like a blatant disregard while on the truck was now turning into an overreaction on her part. Don't dissect everything as you had done at Kane's house, she reminded herself. Honey, are you okay? Hassan's mother was speaking to her. Was she talking aloud? Yes, I'm a little tired. At least this time, she had an answer. Do you want the fish or the lamb? Hassan's aunt asked, the lamb. Timura found it very easy to participate in the small feast they prepared. Rice, fish, lamb, fried beans, and baked sweet potatoes. The night was finished with homemade cake and tea spiced with cinnamon, clover, ginger, and cardamom. Timura grew comfortable in their company as the night waned and learned so much that night. Her husband's younger sister would return to a boarding school in Nairobi at the end of her school break in a few weeks. Hassan had two brothers who lived in other parts of the country. The aunts, uncles, and cousins lived somewhere in the city and were only there to welcome Timiro into their family. The gesture warmed her heart and she felt a kinship with them. Hassan was much quieter in his home than he was when he visited her family's home. He'd only spoke if addressed and even gave short answers. How did you meet Timiro? his sister asked. Through a friend. A friend? One of the cousins echoed the sister. You have friend back there? Yes. The word came sharp. The tone curt. What friend? Timira asked. I thought you saw me at the market with my stepmother. In her mind's eye, she could see him standing near the grain and corn section of the market. His bright smile and his lean and muscular body were intoxicating. A friend, that glare he'd wore while they were on the truck returned to his face. His forehead furrowed, his brows knitted in deep concentration. Timira must have crossed the line, even though she never found out what line. But the body grew quiet after that. No one said a word for the rest of the meal. The only sound came from the cicadas in their shrill crescendos. As soon as the teacups and cake plates were taken away, Hassan stood up. We have to go to bed, he announced, gesturing for Timura to follow him. As if on cue, the extended family wished them good night and left. Hassan and Timiro went to the right of the house, and his parents and his sister went to the left side. Timira's role as Hassan's wife began the following morning. My mother will take you to the market and show you where to buy food, Hassan instructed as he prepared to leave that morning. When is the help coming? Like Nita Kane, Timurat expected Hassan to have a hired help. In her experience, anyone who lived in a city had a kitchen hand. Even Ali and Sa'di spoke about having someone else to do the housework. Help? Hassan said so loud. And what will you do if I pay someone to look after the house? He laughed at her. This... He pointed at the wall before him. This is yours to keep. He might be right. All the women in her village, including her mother and stepmother, had no help. They did all the housework, cared for their children, and even helped harvest the farm during the season. So Timur nodded in agreement until Hassan smiled and left. Later that morning, Timira followed Hassan's mother to the market. The first sight of the city of Mombasa exceeded Timira's expectation of the place. It felt magical when Hassan had described the town and the port to her and her family. The description of the ocean, water leaping high up and crashing back down, made the place otherworldly in her imagination. Now approaching the port, All she saw was the constant movement of the flat bottomed boats. But nothing could have prepared her for the loud chatter of the men leaving the port at the end of their morning run. The sight overwhelmed her as she walked next to her mother in law. The path that snaked from the beach to the fish section of the market was filled with men carrying boxes and metal pails. What is in there? Timiro pointed at the containers of different sizes the men carried. Today's catch. Hassan's mother stepped away from the men as they hurriedly moved. This way. Her mother-in-law pointed away from the port. Timiro followed her to the stores that sold women's clothing. Here, she saw women's dresses barely reaching their knees, walking in groups from one store to another. Timiro stood there. Her eyes wide and mouth open until her mother-in-law pulled her hand. We have to get to the meat shop. Hasan's mother stepped closer to Timira. We have to get there soon. Unlike the open-air market in Timira's village, these stores had doors. Hassan's mother entered the butcher shop and beckoned Timira. <laughs> Timira sat next to her mother-in-law in the hot kitchen. A suffocating heat emanated from the sky overhead, pregnant with heavy moisture. Despite the disappearing rays of the setting sun, the air crackled with the hotness of a midday sun. Are you going to start cooking? Hassan's mother asked Timiro. He wants his dinner ready when he arrives within the hour. Are we not eating together? Timira was surprised by her mother-in-law's questions. They practically lived in the same house and shared the kitchen, so she couldn't understand why they must cook separately. Hassan's mother looked at Timura for a long minute before she spoke. This is for you, she handed Timura a piece of salmon. Your mother said we couldn't cook together, Timira told her husband that night as they sat down for the evening meal. These are two separate households, and they must remain that way, he said. But they are your parents. Timira attempted to reason with him, and they are in the same house. Did you hear what I said? The anger that oozed out of him made his forehead crease and his eyes narrow until she couldn't see them. Do what you're told and stop asking questions. Hassan's rules grew more and more bizarre. Soon he demanded that she ate breakfast with him and take her lunch alone. Why can't we eat with your parents? His answer to that question was a slap across Timira's face. Why is he like this? Timira asked her mother-in-law the first day he hit her, one of many to come. This is his house, child, his mother said. Do as he says. That is outrageous. No one in Timur's village behaved like that toward their parents. Any unkind treatment of one's parents always led to a sermon from the imam or the village elder. Their speech always ended with a warning of burning in hellfire. But if his mother agreed with him, and his father didn't seem to speak to his son. Was it Timira's role to say anything? Maybe that's the custom of people outside Somalia, she thought. Timira must have spoken out loud because her father-in-law sitting across from her in the courtyard sat up and looked at her. Did you say something? No, I didn't, Timura said. But he stared at her. Clearly he didn't believe her. It'd be wise to think quietly, Hassan's father said. This was the first time Hassan's father spoke to Timiro directly about his son's situation. Don't you see what he's doing is abhorrent? With his silence, Timiro could feel her father-in-law's gaze on her, caught somewhere between fear and apprehension. Still, this is his house. So you stay out of it for your own sake, Hassan's father wasn't suggesting. He was ordering Timur. She almost told him he'd lost that right when he didn't teach his son how to treat his parents properly. But she didn't. She knew he was right and she needed to keep out of relationship established long before she entered the scene. Only she couldn't, not even when she tried. My mother, the person and the patient, can be found in Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to follow, like, and share, and join me next week. As I share with you another episode of my mother's journey as both the person and the patient thank you